It be too late to alter course, matey, and there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey, dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 102 of the Curse of the Black Pearl. Why, thanks for that. It's not a multiverse thing again. No. Oh, it was a crazy busy weekend where we were forced to go to the movies to see Dead Men Tell No Tales for the second time. Movies, popcorn, a swashbuckling adventure, a heaping spoonful of the supernatural. Man, and I'm sure I'm not alone when I say this, how I really wanted to be toiling away with yard work. Mind you, the popcorn was at 10 a.m. Now that's something you didn't have to tell people. <laughs> you can't go to the movies and not have popcorn. That's blasphemy. At 10 a.m. That's like... A pirate not having rum. You can't go okay. to the movies without popcorn. How well, dare you? I understand you? that then. Seriously. Yeah, you do. <laughs> because actually while I was eating popcorn, she was drinking rum. At 10 a.m. I guess I will just really have to wait till next weekend and then I can come up with another excuse to procrastinate and do some of that yard work. Besides the movie, we did do a stint over at Pele Media discussing Pirates of the Caribbean with the guys that brought you Ghostbusters Minute, Jurassic Park Minute... Goonies Minute, and who knows what's going on with their next project. I probably should have asked them that, but I didn't. Good job. I know, exactly. Boy, I dropped the ball on that. But you can check them out at patreon.com slash Media and go ahead and get the goods on all their other content that they've released as well. We did have a blast discussing the films and the rides, and it's always a good time when hanging out with Brady, Kyle, and Chris, although Chris wasn't able to make it this time, but in general, he's been there before. It's always good to hang out with those guys. We also dropped a special Weekend Dead Men Tell No Tales review episode over the weekend. So if you want to hear our thoughts on the latest Pirates of the Caribbean movie, go ahead and check it out. However, it is a spoilers included episode, so only listen if you have seen the movie, or if you're one of those daring people who throw rum into the wind and will dive in before watching it, then go ahead and do that. As long as you've been forewarned. Ye intruders beware. There are spoilers here. (laughs) Goonies minute. (laughs) It's been a while since we actually officially covered a listener question on the show. Usually I kick those back and forth on social media or via email, but I thought, heck, why not talk symbolism with one of our many new listeners who've come aboard recently? This one comes from Caitlin and takes us out of the Curse of the Black Pearl, actually, for a moment to discuss Dead Man's Chest. She writes, when Jack, Will, and Norrington are fighting on Isla de la Cruces over the heart of Davy Jones... I like to theorize that they are also fighting for the heart or love of Elizabeth. I mean, it's Norrington who wanted to marry her, Jack, who had been seemingly making advances, and Will, who she was supposed to marry. What do you think about this? Well, I'm with Caitlin on this one. Really? When they are all on the island fighting for the contents of Davy Jones's chest, there really erupts a three-way sword fight. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) Seriously, you went there already. We just started things and you're already... No, I didn't look. You did. How dare you? I didn't look. Yeah. Oh, oh, so I'm supposed to sit here with my eyes closed? Yeah. Don't look 
at me. The only, yeah. The you know what she came into your mind? That thing. A menage a trois fight. That's exactly <laughs> no. what came into your Arr! thoughtful head there. Seriously. No. We just started the That's show. That's what you wanted to you come are... into my head. No, I didn't phrase that in any way purposefully. That just came out you that way. You looked at me. I looked at you. This was not something I read in too much before we actually started the show. Obviously, Heather had. She must be having some kind of weird three-way thing going on no. with that. But after watching it recently, like I said, that was one of the thoughts that hit me right away. Norrington and Will are definitely letting the affection for Elizabeth seep into their fight. But as for Jack, I'm not actually sure if it's more about Elizabeth for him or not. Or if it's more about something else, something unfinished. So to be honest, I need to revisit that scene before I make up my mind on the symbolic nature of Jack's intentions for that fight, or if there is one. There has always been this playfulness between Jack and Elizabeth. It's more one-sided, actually. Jack is always making remarks to her, and she (laughs) kind of rejects his flirting, usually. That's how it works, right? Yeah. But And then she does fire back and plays the game, this kind of flirtatious game, before she offers him up to the Kraken. We haven't gotten to Dead Man's Chest and At World's End in that whole kind of saga, but what happens in Dead Man's Chest? She she locks him to, yeah, she kisses him and does that as a distraction to handcuff him or slap him in irons on the mask. Then the Kraken takes it down. Then he ends up in J.B. Jones' locker. She kisses him like she's never kissed a man before, though. You know what I mean, though? That's because she was playing the game, right? That flirtatious game. So, but earlier then in that, right? Yeah. Was Jack fighting for Elizabeth in some weird way? I don't know if I see that part of it. Maybe. And that's why I said I have to revisit it. What do you think? Do you think that that's what's going on? Do you think Jack is fighting for her symbolically or something else? Well, I can see Norrington and Will. Yeah, definitely. Of course. But Jack, I don't know. I'm not sure about Jack. You know, this actually may take us to actually break this down. Because I think that there might be... And everybody individually is having their own battles amongst themselves. But Jack is the one guy, I'm not really sure yet what his thing is or beef with Norrington and Will are established yet. I mean, Will could be just unfinished eunuch business that's going on. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jack has grown um, to like Elizabeth more and more. But would he but fight I don't for know. her? Would he go I, to that extent? I'm not sure Jack would fight for any woman, actually. Because in Jack's... The Black Pearl. Jack's... Boom! Black, you just got served. In Jack's world, women are disposable and they are plentiful. So what? So I guess maybe we need to sit back and take a really hard look at that. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm not sold on Jack. Will and, and Norrington, yeah. I'm not on Jack. Yeah, Jack, I think we have to really look at and see what is going on with that. So I guess you'll just have to wait till season two, Caitlin, as we get to Dead Man's Chest when we really break it down. And then we have some time to really think about it and go from there. So I guess that's yes and potentially no or we don't know yet. We haven't made up our mind when it comes to Jack and that whole situation. But that really is a good question. And it's definitely right up my alley with the symbolism and the whole meaning of stuff behind the reasons they're doing things. So I liked it. If you have any questions, too, like Caitlin, go ahead and send us an email at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. You can leave a voicemail at 8637pirate, or you can hit us up on all the social media channels. So let us know what your thoughts are. Before we get started, though, and then I forget, what the blimey hell is the pirate word of the week? You always forget, and it's Does it have to do with how awesome I am? No. And no, robot is not a pirate word, so just letting you know ahead of time. It's not a single word. 
we've gone over this. I shortened pirate word <laughs> or phrase of the week down to just pirate word. So I didn't have to go pirate word or phrase of the week. Do I need to bring that back? It's because actually it a seems place. to be a lot. It's not pirate word, phrase, or place of the week. Now you're just stretching this into hell. <laughs> it's the pirate oh, word, name, place, hey, location, or phrase of the week. Speaking no. of hell, my place of the week is J- Davy Jones' locker. Oh, is it? Very cool. Yeah. So it's an idiom for the bottom of the sea, the state of death among drowned sailors and shipwrecks, used as a euphemism in which sailors and ships' remains are consigned to the bottom of the sea. Gotcha. In the previous minute, the HMS nuptials arrives just in time. Mighty convenient, if I do say so myself. Will is hauled away by Captain Barbosa. Elizabeth is given time to think and assesses her life on the island trapped by the handsy Captain Jack Sparrow. Then it arrives just in the nick of time for Governor Swan and Commodore Norrington to condemn Will, unless Norrington disregards the needs of the many, to satisfy the needs of the one. I see what's going on here. Norrington has just made this entire plan to get rid of Will. It's a shotgun or musket wedding, and Elizabeth just said those two little words found at every wedding. I am ready to go gallivanting after pirates. Minute 102 begins with Jack expressing his excitement for Elizabeth's acceptance of Norrington's proposal with a wedding. I love weddings. Drinks all around. Elizabeth and Norrington exchange glances, and Jack continues, I know. Clap them in irons, right? The minute ends with Pintel and Rigetti talking to Will Turner. Never sat well with Bootstrap, what we did to Jack Sparrow, the mutiny and all. He said it wasn't right with the code. That's dot dot dot. We can start the ball rolling with Elizabeth and Norrington, and there really is a significant exchange of looks between these two while Jack is delighting in their engagement news. We talked last minute about the obvious elephant in the room, or in this case, on the deck. The elephant on the deck. That's a new phrase I'm trying to get. That could be our pirate word or phrase of the week next time. Elephant on the deck. Something new I just coined. That Norrington must know this is all about saving Will. And we surmise that he is really the type of person at this point who might say something to the effect that you will grow to love me. That was kind of our guess last time. I don't know if you bought it. I say, I thought I heard this before. Yeah, because we talked. This is kind of where we were because I'm trying to build up to something here. Building something up. Okay. He really is this by the book kind of person a marriage of calculation this is the smart choice as estrella said to elizabeth oh those many many minutes ago with estrella however i'm actually invoking another deleted scene piece that really would change things maybe change things up a bit with our hypothesis and what the audience has already perceived as elizabeth's ulterior motive in this particular situation this i'm going to accept the proposal of norrington Her timing is impeccable, and Norrington's not an idiot. We know this. He isn't an idiot. He can't see when a woman is suffering or in immediate danger. We know that. Right. But he's not a moron, and he can't put kind of these two things together. So the scene that fell victim to the cutting room floor is about 45 or 50 seconds. Now I don't remember what it is. But it expands on the notion of what the audience knows with her acceptance of the proposal. In the scene... Norrington acknowledges that Elizabeth is just marrying him to save Will. He says to Elizabeth, and she actually says back to him, that it's not a condition of their marriage, but a request. If you said no, I would still marry you. You're a fine man. So that's the deleted scene. He basically comes up to her, says, hey, I know you're just doing accepting my yeah. proposal to save Will. She says, no, it's a request. It's not a condition of the proposal that I would have still married you. 
This clearly would have changed everything about her. And I say her and not him because we, the audience, really do understand what his position is here. However, Elizabeth is really the one who is not only telling Norrington what can be viewed as a white lie, but we know Will is the one that she really loves. I mean, it takes her from like this adventurous, strong woman, one who's chased down pirates to write her own story, to a woman who is accepting kind of living under the societal constraints she has been fighting against all this time, right? Yeah. I mean, is she really going to hold up to that idea that she wants to marry Norrington either way? And that was just, is that's either a white lie to Norrington to say, to help ease his mind, like, oh my God, I'm going to be married to this guy. We might as well start things off on a good foot here. Right. Or she is really just caving to the whole situation. And I don't know if I see her caving to the situation. And living under society's rules that she should marry Norrington. No, I don't. Like I said last or Friday, I was saying, is she pulling a Barbosa here? This trickster thing yeah. where she's telling him. Yeah, but I didn't see that either, though. I didn't see that she would just agree to marry him and then pull the plug on that. She seems like she has some honor. So do you really think that she would pretend to want to marry him just to save Will and then, and then not go through with that? After she accepted it? I, I mean, do you really think that? I think it's more that she would think he would realize. Did you understand that? No. <laughs> that Elizabeth would I think. I was trying to my hamster inside my head. He stopped dead on the wheel. <laughs> that Nor- wheel is no longer ticking. So Elizabeth would think Norrington would realize that he doesn't. she doesn't really want to marry him. That she really loves Will, and he would let her out of that agreement. So you're saying you're that saying case. that that's her bet. She's yes. betting that she's going to go through with that, and that he would ultimately just say because Norrington's a good guy. He's going to do what Elizabeth did for Will. Is going to set that which you love free. So she's saying, "You save Will. I'm going to marry you." And she lets that little bird of Will go free because she loves him so much. She is also betting that Norrington is going to pull the same maneuver. What is this? The gift of the Magi here? <laughs> Everybody's giving each other something. Then pretty soon Elizabeth's just sitting there going, well, I had two men. Now I have none. I don't know. Because in that deleted scene, if that was actually in the movie, she says that it wasn't a condition. It was a request. And she was still going to marry him anyways. That would tell Norrington that he doesn't have to let her go. That she is actually... Yeah, this is a smart move. I'm going to do that. That shows me that then she's going to try and find a way to be happy under those conditions. This actually plays... a white lie. Well, yeah. I mean, this actually plays into a scene later on in Minute 104. It's like another deleted scene. or Well, it's actually... There's a deleted scene and actually what happens in Minute 104. So we can revisit some of that later. But keep a weather eye out there, mateys. And I'll bring that up again later this week. But do you really think that she would have played that trickster card or i mean are you really going with the bet that the gift of the magi bet thing going on here yeah possibly that is because she is an honorable person that's what i'm getting at least right now jack doesn't think she's an honorable person and that's what i'm talking about when i bring it up in 104 and that's what we're gonna see so stay tuned everybody just got a couple more minutes then we'll get there Actually, a couple more days. Oh, a couple more days, minutes, episodes. It's all the same thing. That's what they, right? They knew that. Well, I hope they're not just sitting there going, it's going to have, <laughs> that episode's going to pop up anytime now. <laughs> no, it won't. It's days. Okay, there you go. So that's what I'm thinking with Elizabeth going on there. That's my guess. Okay. 
but it is an interesting way that they cut that out. Yeah. Because there is a couple of ways. I can see that it's good because it keeps the audience guessing as to what's going on or intentions of Elizabeth. Because they do like to keep us guessing with some of the characters and their intentions in this movie, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So we can't really nail down anybody and then it helps make sense for some of the later scenes. But this also plays into some other later deleted scenes that I think really gives us a new perspective on Elizabeth and is she really that honorable person or not? And I think that would be interesting. And then maybe that plays into what your hypothesis is. So you just have so to wait. So you're saying I'm right. I didn't say you're right. You'll have to make that judgment when we get there. And I may cut that out now. We may not even <laughs> talk about that in that upcoming episode. It's okay. I know I'm always right. How dare you? We get a good look at Pentel and Rigetti. Can't go wrong with Pentel and Rigetti. So they're swabbing the deck with... With what? The imprisoned Motley crew watching on. What are they swabbing the deck with, A though? mop? I understand that. What are they mopping with? Yeah, I got that. What is it? Because it looks gross. It is gross. But do you want to get there? Okay, so we'll get there. We'll go there. Thank you. Your wish is my command, Princess Bride. Princess Bride Minute. Specifically, the camera gives us this bucket close-up that really appears to have this nasty-looking concoction in there. Yeah. That's what you're talking about, I assume. So swabbing the deck, because I knew that she would ask this, so I actually had to look it up. So now I'm mentally informed. Or did I just roll a deck set because I really know all or most things? No. Okay. Swabbing the deck had quite a few functions aboard ships, so it keeps the crew busy. It's the idea that no idle hands, so it helps curtail boredom and fighting amongst the crew. It's also a form of discipline in keeping watch. The crew about the ship are observing things are on the deck. They're, you know, hanging out. They're seeing if things are falling apart, and, well, they're observing stuff. Just keeps them busy and keeps them looking at after things. So it's just not what's on the ocean like oncoming ships. But if there's broken rigging and anything else that might be seen, then they can report it and fix it. So it's a good little task for them to do. From what I found, they would apply a mixture of pine tar, boiled linseed oil, depending on the times, turpentine, and beeswax about once a week on working ships to preserve and seal the wood. Swabbing or washing the deck is very important on a wooden plank deck. And the frequent scrubbing with salt water preserves the wood also. And keeps moss and mold from growing. So you also see that they're, you know, throw a bucket of water and then they'll swab it. Yeah, so they're doing that with salt water. And it keeps moss and mold and stuff like that from growing on the wood. And keeps the planks swelled so the deck does not leak as much. Because if it dries out, it shrinks. Oh, okay. If it's wet, then it helps keep it swelled and then doesn't leak as much when you got whatever else coming on board. You will also see sailors using a holy stone on decks, which is kind of like a sandstone. You see them scrubbing something. So the idea is that it takes the top layer of the wood off and it kind of whitens the deck because you're taking that top layer off. Yeah. And this was also an idle hands technique as well as removing splinters and any algae that might be growing on there to keep it from being slick. Huh. Especially if you're running around, you didn't want to get your, well, foot caught on a nice little splinter there. Yeah. So there you go. You happy now? You got your swabbing concoction. Swabbing concoction. Pintel and Rigetti's. Swabbing concoction. Find it at Walgreens, yeah, Thrifties, and all your other local hardware stores and shops. Walgreens and Thrifties are hardware stores. I dare you, Home Depot. I said Home Depot and Lowe's. What are you talking about? Where does this Thrifties and Walgreens come in? (laughs) I have no clue. I was wondering. Well, you know what? Thrifties even around? I have no idea. I don't think so. I think it's now Rite Aid. Well, where in the hell am I going to get my Chia Pet? No clue. Where you can get your ice creams? What we have to ask. 
Oh, well, I think Chia Pets are more important than ice cream. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm Chocolate pretty sure. Chocolate Baltic Crunch? We're not getting ice cream. We are getting Chia Pets, and then we'll get Pentel and Rigetti's Magic Swabbing the Deck Concoction. <laughs> found at all your fine hardware and retail stores. There you go. Like Thrifties and Walgreens. No, I said Lowe's and Home Depot. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's really weird you bring up some those stores. It's strange. It's very strange. Since we're talking the reality of wood ships, too... It hit me that, why not touch on a few more bits of history? You just opened Pandora's box there, didn't you? Everybody in the audience just went, oh, Jesus. Seriously? Now we got to hear history? Yeah, you do, folks. Just sit on back. It's like a bit of honey, but with more cannons is, is really where we're going with our bits of history here. We talked very early on about the HMS Dauntless. Cannons. And that it was modeled after the real-life HMS Victory from the 18th century. That was way, way back. Probably the first couple of minutes when we first started off. And we didn't even know what the hell we were doing then. We were just free. We both said something in our mind that we will refrain from <laughs> saying here. Yeah. we. Were <laughs> Boy, that's how much she knows me. That's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> now you just left everybody hanging. I was, and that's a pun now, because pun intended, I was going to say free balling, okay? Free balling, that's what I was going to say. I said hanging and free balling. Jeez, everybody just leave me alone. Like I said, we talked very early on about the HMS Dauntless, all its connection to the victory and how it was modeled after that. Now I have some additional victory tidbits that as a history, okay, nerd, Connoisseur? Connoisseur is better, thank you. Uh-huh. That I found very interesting. So buckle up, folks. We're in for a wild ride. And for those non-nerds out there... Go get your coffee. Give it a half-hearted listen. It'll all be over soon. Don't worry. I'll be back in a few. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> you you started this. You have to be in for the whole time. Like the Dauntless, the Victory is a first-rate ship of the line. That's what it's called. A first-rate ship of the line. Like how I threw that? Yes. That. <laughs> you threw yourself off. That's you, what how you dare did. you? <laughs> It actually has a specific meaning when it says ship of the line or first rate, and that's a specific meaning in the Navy. So a first rate was the designation used by the Royal Navy for its largest ships of the line. And these were equivalent to super dreadnoughts of more recent times. And I know Heather knows what that is. Did you say dreadlocks? Not dreadlocks, dreadnought. This is, I know we're in the Caribbean, so I'll let you pass on that one. Originating in the Jacobian era with the designation of ships royal capable of carrying at least 400 men, the size and establishment of first rates evolved over the following 250 years to eventually denote ships of the line carrying at least 80 cannons across three gun decks, which is pretty incredible. By the end of the 18th century, a first rate ship routinely carried 100 guns and more than 850 crew and had a measurement tonnage of some 2,000 tons. Ship of the line referred to what was a type of naval warship constructed from the 17th through the mid-19th century to take part in naval tactics known as the Line of Battle, is in which two columns of opposing warships would maneuver to bring the greatest weight of broadside firepower against the enemy. So you can just imagine them all lining up and just all those cannons on the side just blasting away. It'd be pretty cool. There'd be no ship left or enemy left. That was the idea, hopefully. Since these engagements were almost invariably won by the heaviest ships carrying the most powerful guns, the natural progression was to build sailing vessels that were the largest and most powerful of their time. Regarding the HMS victories, where I really started with all this, and then I quickly just left it, so I'm going to get back there. Specifically, once regarding the victory, again, in case you just forgot two seconds ago when I said this was talking about the victory, 
Once the frame had actually been built, it was normal to cover a ship up and leave it for several months to allow the wood to dry out or season. So they put it together, the frame. They add a little oil. Then they would, yeah, then they would basically cover it up and let it season. But this was actually occurring at the end of the Seven Years' War for the HMS Victory. And it remained in this condition for nearly three years, which helped her subsequent longevity. And that's why they think she's still around or lasted for so long. I know there's a replica now, but that it lasted so long because it sat for such a long time. Huh. That it really seasoned wow. it well. It was marinated. They added a lot of They oil. didn't oil it. Oh. It was seasoned. That's how you season a pan. You it oil was seasoned it. it. It was seasoned. No, it's seasoned meat. It's like seasoned meat. Oh, they you marinated. add seasons then. Yeah. Okay. It's all kinds of different seasons back then that they used. I got it. When work actually restarted in autumn of 1763, and she was then launched in 1765, she had a total cost of 63,176 pounds, and don't forget the three shillings. And that's equivalent to about $7.8 million today. Wow. Not only that, around 6,000 trees were used in her construction, of which 90% were oak, and the remainder were elm, pine, fir, and then there was a small quantity of lignum vitae that was added. At least 400. I'm surprised they can use oak. I mean, oak trees are protected. <laughs> yeah, that's California. <laughs> oh. And you got you buy oak wood. Depends on I, the oak. Yeah. And I don't think they cared back then. They just, <laughs> let's chop them down. <laughs> They're the ones you see fenced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least 400 men, 6,000 trees, more than 100 cannons. Now that is some crazy tall ship action, I have to say. Yes. I don't think you cared for the history. I did. You zoned out. No, no, I I communicated, actually. I said they seasoned it with oil. Yeah, that was some real historical tidbits you brought in. I said you, you can't in. use the oak I tried to shine you on the first time and just ignore you. I know. And the second time, I couldn't ignore you I anymore. I don't. I keep going until you not, don't ignore you. Don't ignore me. I don't know what that means. All <laughs> I know is that I didn't hear you because I was ignoring you. Now, since we don't want to end on a historical or British naval ship discussion, that is kind of a rule that we have here. That's because I don't want you guys to doze off. There is one thing we definitely have to mention. And I will bump some below deck Black Pearl discussion until next time when we actually get more of that action. Unless you specifically have something regarding the Motley Crew, Will Turner, Pintel, and Rigetti you wanted to talk about here. No, not really. Are you sure? You kind of gave me the eyeballs like, yeah, I did, but I don't want to because you just said that. I like the little story that Pintel is giving, but it kind of bleeds into the next <laughs> minute. Yeah, so and you see how it all comes. You, you see how it all comes back. I say it in like this poetry, and then she comes back to. Is that what he really meant? And she's trying to decipher. <laughs> uh, oh, that's what he meant. Yeah, that's what I meant. Okay, we'll talk about the poetry. We'll talk about Pintel next minute. Oh, that's a great idea, Heather. Isn't that? Yeah, it is because that's when the bulk of all that story comes exactly. out. Exactly. I love the storytelling in this movie. You guys Can I know tell what you it's, that? You guys know what it's like to carry the weight. Of the world? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> How dare you? This gets back to my elephant in the room comment earlier. Norrington's disgust for Jack. He does give him the evil eye, or maybe the stink eye is, is maybe a better characterization of that. Jack thinks he's about to be clapped in irons. By the way, this is one of two good phrases in the minute. The other one being silent as the grave. And that's because Elizabeth is in her shift. No dress. She just came off an island alone with Jack. This is not a good situation. And Norrington is probably thinking, you just saw my wife to be naked. I'm begging Jack not to say anything. I'm just, Jack, just shut up. Don't say anything. 
Especially don't say, oh yeah, we were also dancing around a fire with rum. And I was stroking her shoulder. Yeah, while she's technically naked in this ship. That might send the Commodore over the edge. Yeah. Jack just needs to play it cool. Hopefully we don't see any bloodshed in the next minute if that comes out. But yeah, she was technically naked. And I think Norrington was a little upset with that. I think you need to say naked for the times. Naked for the... That's right. I did call you out on that. Naked for the times. That's what I meant. I prefaced it the last time, so I'm hoping everybody remembered this time. Because I don't know if you heard it, but I almost have this imperceivable asterisk that goes on my words at the end. So people go, oh yeah, that was when he referred to Naked for the Time. It's my little asterisk. Uh Did you hear it there? No. So see what I mean? We could have ended on ship facts, or we can... Wait, what did you say there? I I said we could have ended on ship facts. Or it can be viewed that I saved the day with a naked Elizabeth Swan. A naked for the day Elizabeth Swan. Ta-da! I'm surprised. Well, no, I'm not surprised. Can you top a naked woman on a ship full of sailors? Or do we just wrap it up and get the hell out of here? Her dad's there, so. I'm sorry. I see it as it they're is. All, they're all like veering their eyes to her head and only her head. Cause her dad oh, is that is what right we were there. supposed to do? I, I yeah. missed that. They're all just see her head. <laughs> it's definitely and for an Monday. Easter egg for Dead Men Tell No Tales, her giraffe-like neck. Her giraffe-like neck. See, that's why they were able to look above that. They Uh couldn't see. That's an Easter egg from Dead Men Tell No Tales. Sorry for the spoiler on that. There's a lot of giraffes in that movie. There is. It's really strange. But anyways, anything else or do I wrap it up? That's all I have. It's about time. I'd have been waiting for you to just say, yeah, let's get going. (laughs) We'll be back tomorrow with Minute 103 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horns swoggling to a minimum. Arr! Heather, no surprise to find you in the tavern with a tankard full of rum in your hand. What was that for? You said you were going to meet me at the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group hours ago. I was? Mother's love! Why'd you slap me again? That's for not reminding people how to contact us. Get to it, you filthy bilge rat! Man, I obviously get no respect around here. Arr! So, Scallywags, thanks for listening. If you like the show... Give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook, our Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. If you're interested in best-of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are on blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy. It's that easy.